Please open your Bibles with me. We're back to the book of Joshua this Sunday. We come to Joshua chapter 4. We've been working through Joshua for about a month now, and it's already been a thrilling adventure. From the establishment of Joshua as the leader of Israel to Rahab hiding the spies, and with a word of great faith coming from Rahab, one of the ones you would least expect, to Israel crossing the Jordan, last time we were in the book of Joshua, we come now to Joshua chapter 4, which is about remembering the crossing of the Jordan, which is appropriate because it's been about four weeks since we were in Joshua chapter 3, so we too need to remember the crossing of the Jordan the way Israel was commanded to remember the crossing. Hebrew narrative, this this Hebrew history as it's written before us, it characteristically introduces a concept briefly and then returns to the story and then circles back to that concept and then introduces a new idea and returns to a prior part of the story, circles back to the new idea and on and on and on. So in our passage, you may notice a handful of elements arrive at multiple times yet are only developed, and we only get their meaning the second or third time through. Let's pray that as we read this passage, the Spirit would help us to understand this beautiful story before us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would not be blind in the middle of the day, with the sun shining all around us. As we come to your word, would our eyes not be closed to these Beautiful truths that are here. We need the help of your spirit to see. And so we depend on him now and we ask that you would bless the reading and preaching and hearing of your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear God's very words from Joshua chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, And command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, And take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people, 
the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks be to God. Humans are forgetful people. No, it's okay. I don't need to write it on the list. I'll remember to get the milk. Famous last words as you head to the grocery store. Oh, I don't need to write it, di- write it down. I'll keep it right up here. Famous last words before the test. I'm so sorry, honey. I'll remember our anniversary next year. Humans are forgetful people. And the enemy is so sly to distract us that we forget who we are And who our God is. Israel has just lived a life-defining moment. The kind of thing where everyone who was present will say, I will never forget this. But God knows that Israel will need help. Even remembering a moment like this. The crossing of the Jordan. And so, in this chapter, God graciously gives instructions for setting up a memorial so that they might not forget what God has done. So what is so important about this crossing anyway? You may remember from four weeks ago, if you are not like the rest of humankind who forgets, you may remember the significance of this crossing includes the presence of God with his people. As he was with them in the Ark of the Covenant, he led them and he went before them into the river. And he went before them and led them into the land of promise. Even a land that was supposed to belong to the other pagan gods, Yahweh said, this is my land too, and God's presence is there. And the power of God was was obvious in that he supernaturally intervened and stopped the flow of a river. And then the promise of God was sure and was fulfilled in this crossing because he had promised to Abraham that his descendants would return to this land and dwell there. He had promised that he would give this land to his people to inhabit it. And in this event, it came to fruition. They set foot upon the land of Canaan, according to God's promise. 
another hugely important element that, that we will miss unless we pause to look at it is this fact that God's work here of bringing Israel out of slavery into the promised land is a work of redemption. He has bought back people who are slaves and he has made them inheritors, heirs of a great land and of a great promise. Even 40 years after beginning this journey out of Egypt, God's promise continues to be fulfilled here as he takes them into the land. No wonder God commanded them to set up a memorial with 12 stones. And the story is told in detail on repeat here in our passage. These stones serve three very important purposes in our passage, according to Joshua 4. As God commands them through Joshua to set up the 12 stones, he's commanding them to set up a sign for themselves. Set up a sign for yourself. That's number one. Second of all, set up a sign for your children. Third, set up a sign for the world. So we'll look at those. How this is a sign to yourself, a sign for your children, and a sign for the world. And then we'll finally conclude by looking at the signs that Jesus himself set up for the church to remember his redemption. So let's look up, look at uh, this first point. Set up a sign for yourself. God acted supernaturally in the crossing of the Jordan. He intervened with remarkable power. And Israel, under the leadership of Joshua, obeyed. And this story tells us down to the detail that they all passed through. And with uh, great explanation, describes how they obeyed. God told them to take up 12 stones. And verse 8 tells us, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, just as the Lord told Joshua. And then verse 10 also tells us that they obeyed quickly, with haste. Although I probably would also be moving quite quickly through the riverbed that had just a few moments before had water rushing through it. And in this attempt, or in this command to set up a sign for Yourself, God is telling them to fight their forgetfulness. Because for forgetfulness and disobedience go hand in hand. They're closely related. Forgetfulness and disobedience go hand in hand. I think of that first semester in college when you get all your syllabi with all the assignments due. And if you don't intentionally set up reminders... Put together a planner with all the due dates for all the assignments to remind yourself, to give yourself a guide. You're going to forget, and the assignments will not be turned in on time. And when it feels like things are easy, that's when we're most susceptible to forgetfulness, as we'll see here in just a moment. So if forgetfulness and disobedience are closely connected, then remembrance and obedience are also closely connected. Remembrance and obedience go hand in hand. Deuteronomy 6 It's kind of the the underlying text as we look at this story in, in Joshua 4. It's this underlying command that God had already given to Israel to be a people who remembers and who talks about what God has done. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 10, says this, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, That is exactly what just happened in this passage. God has just given them the land with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, in other words, when God gives you this promise and things seem really easy, 
Verse 12 says, then take care lest you forget the Lord. It's in the days of abundance. It's when things seem to be going well that we must especially take care lest we forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, Deuteronomy 6 says, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by His name you shall swear. And jump down to Deuteronomy 6.17. It says, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. This remembrance is closely tied with obedience. And so as God tells them, tells Israel to set up a memorial stone, it took a planning and a coordinated, concerted effort on the part of Joshua and the leadership to do this. You may have noticed when we were in Joshua chapter 3, verse 12, there's this little sentence, little verse, Joshua 3, 12. It says, now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe, a man. And those guys don't show up again in the rest of chapter 3. But here they are in chapter 4. This has been planned. This has been in the works. Joshua has communicated this. This is a concerted effort on the part of the people to do what God is commanding. It has been a part of God's plan executed through Joshua's obedience to God. And here we find out that their job was to take a stone, each one of them to take a big stone from the river. Each stone represents a tribe of Israel so that all the nation would be represented as passing through the river and to carry it to the plains of Jericho and to set up this memorial at a place called Gilgal. Our best access for you and me today. To see God's wondrous works throughout history and to know what God did for Israel is, of course, through Scripture. As it was for David, and for this reason, David spoke often of what God had done in times past, meditating on his law day and night and on his wondrous deeds. And so we too are to reflect on what God has done in the past, what God has done in our lives in redeeming us from our slavery to sin and death, so that if you look at the verse, the, in the last verse in chapter 4, last verse of Joshua 4, it says, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and we'll get to that, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The call for us to remember and to set up a memorial is so that we too might fear the Lord our God forever. Even those who witnessed the events of crossing the Jordan, those who witnessed the dry land when the river had stopped, even they needed help and encouragement along the way to continue to fear their God forever for as long as they walk this earth. Because our enemy does not want us to remember. Satan is there to distract us even with good things, thrills and heartaches, so that we might take our mind off of who God is and what he's done. And so with the people of God, God is graciously reminding them of the forever truths of who they are. This was a mighty act of the eternal God. Its significance is forever unchanging. It is to be forever remembered and God is to be forever feared. Believers are people of remembrance. And so we look at our lives and think, okay, how does this apply to us? Well, first, are we willing to put in that effort to remember what God has done for us? To establish a reminder of God's works on our behalf? Something simple, just a few ideas that, that come into mind. Write a note card with a verse on it. A verse that describes how God has powerfully worked in your life. Think of something like Isaiah 53 says... 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How can you remember that truth in your day to day? Or 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Or remember for yourself these promises that God has made. Revelation 24, excuse me, 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. How often do we set up memorials for ourselves to think about these things? A note card. Memorize the verse. Talk about it. Sing about it. Or maybe, wherever you listen to your music, you put together a playlist. Your go-to that reminds you of these truths of God's salvation. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Where streams of mercy still are never ceasing. Or when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Or, oh, what wonder, how amazing. Jesus, glorious King of kings, deigns to call me his beloved. Let's me rest beneath his wings. Let's be people who remember these things. Recall them to mind always. Let's be those who read God's faithfulness in Scripture. What a privilege it is that we have copies of this Bible in our hands and in our homes. Or maybe let's write in our journal stories of God's goodness. Memorize God's Word. Let's hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. Let's have memorial stones in our minds. And write it on our doorposts. Hang it on our walls. Put it on a sticky note on your mirror. And what about this weekly memorial that we have every Sunday here at church? What about these reminders where we're gathered to celebrate God's faithfulness, where we worship together and where the order of the service that we do every week is not just because it feels like a nice tradition. It's filled with the gospel. It tells the gospel. It guides us through these elements of confessing and remembering what Jesus has done and hearing God speak. We need these memorial stones, because we are forgetful people. And so God tells Israel, set up a memorial so that you remember. Because if they don't remember, they won't be able to tell their kids. And they won't be able to be a sign to the world either. So let's look up that sign. Look at that sign for your children as well. Set up a sign for yourself and also set up a sign for your children You see this a couple times in this passage. It says, when your children ask you in future days, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. This too is rooted in the law in Deuteronomy 6, where we read, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. So also Deuteronomy 6 is anticipating they will go into the promised land and then here's what you do when you get there. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. 
You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We're to be a people who teaches these truths diligently to our children. Can you imagine the conversations that night among the Israelites as they had just crossed through the Jordan River on the plains of Jericho with men ready for war, with the river overflowing its banks once again behind them around the campfire? Father saying, my children, don't forget what you just saw. Don't ever forget what God has done for us. From now on, our household will give thanks to the Lord every day. And that is the intent, that we would, with these memorials, give thanks to the Lord every day and fear the Lord our God forever. And it brings us together. It unites us. Remember those stones? See those stones down there by the river? That was God's faithfulness to us. That's the unity that believers have. That's the unity that we today have. Remember what Christ has done for us? Look at what he's done to bring us together. So we so desperately need, as we are a church with children, as we are people who have children, we must be a place that remembers these things together every week and teaches them to our children. This unity and this remembrance together are for the people of Israel a memorial forever. This is our identity. This makes us who we are. We must gather around to remember these wondrous acts of God. So when we gather at church, we're teaching these things to our children. And, and when we do our daily memorial at home with our families, maybe it's a, a quick reading of, of a passage after dinner, singing a song of his faithfulness and praying together. Well, in Joshua 24, we'll see later in this book, he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does it look like to serve the Lord? Well, at least it means speaking of him when we're at home and reading his gospel together, praying to him and singing his praise together. You know, there's something that we as the, the PCA have that is a huge benefit to believers, and it's the catechisms. It's a means that we have to train our children in what is true. And truly, I feel like when, when we're teaching these things to our children, they're even more beneficial for us to remember. When we're faced with that question, the often asked question, what is the point of life? Well, no, it's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And, and when we're asked, what even are the benefits of being a Christian? We'll know the benefits of being in Christ are assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Ghost, increase of grace and perseverance therein to the end. Those come straight from our catechism. They're beautiful truths. We need these reminders. Let's be people who teach these things to each other, especially to our children, so that in days to come, when our children ask us, what is that memorial stone about? What, is, what are these waters of baptism about? What is this bread and this wine about? we will say the Lord has been good to us. Because if we're not training our children in this, what are we training them in? 
Our nieces and nephews are watching. Our students are watching. Anyone who looks up to us is watching and will learn something from us. They will pick up something. And if we don't train them in these truths of the Bible at home, at church, if we don't teach them that all that we are and all that we do and all that makes us worth anything is solely dependent upon the gracious love and works of God and the works of Jesus, then they're going to be learning something else about the point of life from us. Let's be intentional about setting up memorial stones as a sign for ourselves and for our children at home and at church so that we can be a people who knows how good God has been to us. As Deuteronomy 6 says, lest we forget. And lastly, God says to set up these memorial stones as a sign for the world. As a sign for the world. At the very end of our chapter here, end of chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, says this, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. We know from Rahab's testimony that the people of the earth had already begun to hear about Israel, and their hearts had melted. And the word of this God would spread more and more, and they will see the mighty hand of God at work on behalf of his people. The mighty salvation and redemption that God works. And as the world sees this power of God on display in the lives of believers, they have two options. Either they will obey and submit like Rahab did, or they will resist, and they will be forced to bow to God's power when it's too late, when judgment is already upon them. What about the Israelites, though, as they are the ones bearing this witness to the world? We must be prepared for war. I'm not saying be ready to go use your sword against your neighbor. I'm talking about that preparedness and that battle that the New Testament authors tell us about. To be sober-minded and to be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And Ephesians 6 also tells us very clearly, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, we take up the whole armor of God including the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is our preparation for war. Not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness. Verse 19 says, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. You read that, you know, like, there's nothing new in this verse except that 10th day of the first month, but that's the kind of thing you just skip over. Let's not skip over it this time. That 10th day of the first month is hugely important. The 10th day of the first month was mentioned in Exodus 12. Right as Israel was preparing for the Passover, they were still slaves in Egypt. They were still under the hand of Pharaoh. The very first Passover, it reads there in Exodus 12, verses 2 and 3. 
This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. So this has redefined their measuring of the months. Verse 3, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And you know what they did? They spread that blood on the door. This was the beginning of that redemption that God would work. The beginning of freeing them from slavery and taking them into the land of promise. This is the story of redemption, the book end here, where it began as God led them out of Egypt. And now as he is taking them into the promised land on that 10th day of the first month, this is a bookend of redemption. Forty years apart, God has not failed to complete this redemption he has begun. Even as he led them through the Red Sea, even as he brings them, brought them to the Jordan and brings them through the Jordan into this land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey, here that they've passed through, we see that promise coming to a crucial moment of fulfillment. Israel has passed through the waters again into God's land. Their feet were upon the promised soil. These very acts of God's magnificent work had made the enemies melt with fear. And he's done it again at the Jordan River. And we'll know soon in chapter 6 that Jericho would fall as God continues his promise to his people. You and me, brothers and sisters, we too have been redeemed. God too has has freed us from our slavery to our enemies. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, as Colossians 1 tells us, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. When we too pass from death to life through the waters of baptism, we enter into that inheritance that God has prepared for all those who love Him because the work of Jesus has been complete for us on the cross. Our sins have been eradicated. The covenant curses that we deserve have been placed on Jesus in the abundance of God's grace. Our eternal dwelling place has been poured out upon us. As Rahab responded in faith, so the watching world should always be welcomed into this community of faith if they respond to this God with faith because it's always been sinners like you and me. It's always been the prostitutes that God saves. The world sees us when we gather every Sunday. The world knows that we're here. They see our cars in the parking lot. They see the signs out front. They know something's going on. And there are unbelievers who gather with us. And they hear of God's miraculous deeds and they see his power. They see the transformed lives in this room. How he's turned miraculously hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. When the world sees and hears this good news of the people of God... We too are part of that proclamation. We hear God's word opened in our presence and we witness a baptism together as a church and we take communion together. And this is a proclamation of God's mighty works. So, now that we're the church, now that Jesus has come, has anything changed? Well, Jesus set up these signs very intentionally for us to be remembrances He gave us baptism and He gave us the Lord's Supper. Our children will ask us, what does this water mean? Israel needed that memorial to remember their baptism through the river, that life-defining moment, and we too need those reminders of God's faithful promise to His people signified by baptism. We will see a a baptism here in a couple weeks, Lord willing. And it's a reminder for all of us who have been baptized of the life-altering intervention of God on our behalf. 
And it's a proclamation to the church to remember and to the world to believe. Even in this memorial stone of baptism, this sacrament, it's a gospel witness. And it strengthens those of us who are prone to forget and it proclaims God's redemption for those who do not yet believe. And in the Lord's Supper, maybe your children have already asked you, what's this bread about? What's this wine about? Well, in the Lord's Supper, his death is showed forth. And it reminds us what Christianity is about. Because so many times today in this world, you're going to hear Christianity is about this or that agenda or that agenda or that agenda. So many forgetful answers, cheap, fake answers that are trying to replace true faith and to replace the true gospel. Christianity is about this. And this is why Jesus gave us this reminder. It's about Christ crucified. Jesus is the one exalted in all the eyes of Israel, just as Joshua was exalted here in chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus is the one whose leadership takes God's people from slavery and takes them into a land of inheritance. His body was what was broken upon the cross for you and pierced with that spear. His blood was poured out on the cross for sinners. He bore God's wrath for sinners. He wasn't a sinner. He was perfect. He was fully God, fully man. And he took on our place as sinners. We should have died. We deserved God's judgment, but he bore all those curses of sin and death for us. He poured out life for people like us who were dying, who were dead. And starting with that Roman centurion who cried out, surely this man was the son of God. He has powerfully given life to all who look to him and admit that he's enough. And all who look upon this wonderful, powerful act of God's redemption and submit themselves to him in humility, who no longer resist his reign in their hearts and in their lives, they're welcomed into this blessed fellowship of God's people forever. We need that reminder. We're forgetful people. And the world needs that message proclaimed. The service that we're part of today is a sign for all Israel to remember and it's a blessed thing that we're here together this morning with the true Israel, seeing the memorial stones that God has set up for his people that you too might remember and fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Gracious God, we praise you that you know our frame and you have commanded these memorial stones lest we forget. Would we be faithful and diligent to do what is not always convenient in setting up these memorials and giving our hearts and our minds to these truths of this good news of redemption that we find in your word? Would we remember how you have changed our hearts? Would we see you powerfully at work in us? And would we show that forth to a world that needs this story and this powerful gospel, this good news? We thank you for Jesus, who is our everything, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.